Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. It is Easter. This is one of those times of the year that we all get excited about Easter. I don't know about you, but I'm already excited about the ham that I'm going to be eating later. And some of you told me you're having turkey, so that's interesting, but that's good. And about 3 or 4 o'clock, we're going to be satisfied and sleepy. And so it's a wonderful day, and some of you are going to be having a sugar high from all of the chocolates you're going to be eating today. And so we get excited about Easter because it's family time, isn't it? We get together with family and we have family time and so forth. Now lost in the midst of all of that is the reality of Easter. We can forget real quickly why we even celebrate, why we even acknowledge, or why Easter is even there. It's not just a springtime event. It's not about Easter bunnies. It's about Jesus and what he did for us and the fact that he went to the cross and died But didn't just die, Easter is about the fact that he arose from the grave. He's alive. Our hope is that Jesus Christ arose from the grave. Now the sad thing is, though, is the reality, though, that yes, we acknowledge that, yes, we know that, but as far as Easter having an impact beyond this day in our lives... I'm sad to say for most of us, it really doesn't have an impact. It doesn't have an impact beyond a service. It doesn't have an impact beyond a meal. It doesn't have an impact. Now, for some of you, it will have an impact tomorrow when you go to Walmart and get the reduced chocolates that are on sale. But even that ends, right? The reality is, is that Easter should have something, it should have an impact in our lives so much more than just one day or one week. And really, that's what Jesus is telling us. It's about something so much more. In fact, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where Jesus says that I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Sadly, for most of us as Christians, if you were to describe your life right now, you would say, yeah, I've got life, but it sure isn't abundant. And you might want to ask yourself, Why? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the fulfillment of Easter in our lives. We're going to talk about what Jesus came to do for your life and what we try to do instead in our lives. So what I want us to do, first of all, is I want us to think about a couple of things with regards to emptiness. What do you mean by emptiness, George? Well, the reality is is that for most of us, Even if you are a Christian, even if you profess Jesus is Lord and you've committed your life to follow him, the reality is is that a lot of us here, if not all of us here, struggle with emptiness. So I've got two thoughts I want to give you, and then I want to take you to the gospel here and show you how what Jesus did for you can bring you fulfillment. So let's talk about emptiness. First of all, if we're honest with ourselves, we must admit that something is missing. If we're honest with ourselves, we've got to admit that something's missing in our lives. You say, oh, I don't know if I believe that, George. Well, now think about it. Think about 
whether or not you are satisfied and content with where you're at in your life, in your relationships, with work. Think about where you're at. Think about the void that you're trying to fill in your life. Think about what you're trying to fill it with. If the reality were, were expressed, you would have to admit that there's something missing. And no matter what it is that you try to do in your life, it's still there. There's a void. You don't know how to describe it. Maybe you've got some words for it. Maybe you've read a book that tries to help you to understand it. And believe me, there's lots of books that try to understand it. But the reality is, is that there's something missing. Something is missing in our lives. And here's what we do. The second thing I want you to see is, is, is that we try to fill the void with that which brings no satisfaction. We try to fill that void in our lives with stuff, with people, with actions, and it brings no satisfaction. We try to fill it. We try to fill that void with family. We try to fill it with our marriages. We want our marriages to be whatever so that we have that void filled. And I'll be honest with you, folks. No marriage is going to fill that void, no matter how great it is. No job is going to fill that void, no matter how much you love it. No extracurricular activity is going to fill that void. You know what I mean? I mean, if you love to hunt here, and we got a lot of guys that love to hunt, we're getting ready to go into turkey season. And you get the biggest gobbler ever. Will you be satisfied? Will you hang it up? Quit practicing your calls. No. Nothing ends it, does it? And you know what I mean? If it comes fall season and, and you're, you're either archery or you're, or, you're, or you're up there in the stand and you're waiting for that big buck to come by and the big buck does come by and you get him and you, you spend money of your hard-earned dollars putting that, immortalizing that rack on your wall that your wife doesn't want hanging there, but you do. Are you satisfied? No. Think about the stuff that we try to fill that void with in our life. Work, family, sex, drugs, alcohol, food. Doesn't bring satisfaction, does it? If anything, it, it increases the emptiness. Folks, you can be married and be empty. You can have the greatest job in the world and be empty. Because there's a void in you. There is something missing. And, and, and here's the thing. What can happen is, and I know this, is we get angry because we can't fulfill it. And we walk around with a lot of anger because of the unfulfilled void in our life. Can we relate to that? Yeah, can we relate to that? Let me read to you what Jesus says. In the 10th chapter, he's been interacting with the Pharisees, and they're trying to understand who he is, and he's trying to kind of point out to them what they're doing with the people there. And he's kind of contrasting himself and what he has to offer with what they have to offer. And as he's presenting what he has to offer, he kind of gives us a clue. He kind of already foreshadows the fact that he's going to give up his life willingly, but he's also going to take it back, meaning the resurrection, which is what we're celebrating today. 
So I want you to look with me. We're going to start with verse 7. He's going to use the analogy of sheep. And look at what he says. John chapter 10. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, the one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I'm known by my sheep. The Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to basically take this section of Scripture and we're going to break it up into two parts. We're going to see the contrast. We're going to see Jesus contrasting what he has to offer with what the religious leaders have to offer, or I would say what the world has to offer to you. And then we're going to see the personal investment that he makes for you and I. So let's talk about the contrast. Look with me at verse 8. He said, All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Here's the first point I want you to see. All offers to find satisfaction are self-serving. All offers to find satisfaction are self-serving. He's basically saying anyone who came before me, and there's a lot who've come after him now, who offer you and I satisfaction, who offer us life, who offer us promises of fulfillment, they're liars. They're thieves. Because they're not in it for you. They're in it for what? Themselves. Don't you know that? So here you are, you're thinking you're going to find fulfillment at work and, and the job just can't function without you. So you pour out your life trying to find fulfillment, which, let's be honest, never comes until the day they say, we're done with you. We've gotten rid of your position. Here's your pink slip. And the job you thought that couldn't function without you keeps going on. But you're still empty. And the stuff that we try to find satisfaction in, I'll be honest with you, I find momentary satisfaction in McDonald's. But I'm going to be honest with you, McDonald's isn't serving burgers for me. McDonald's is serving burgers for what? Their bottom line. Did you understand what I'm saying? They're only in it for them. Think about what it is that you're trying to find satisfaction in. Think about it. Think about what you're trying to find fulfillment in. Think about what you're pouring your life into to, to fill that emptiness in your life. 
It's all self-serving for them, isn't it? It's all self-serving. You're just simply the, the vehicle by which they accomplish their task. And here's ultimately is what Jesus says. The seeker understands this. What do you mean the seeker, George? Well, the seeker who's truly trying to find satisfaction to their soul, to, to, to find satisfaction to that emptiness, sooner or later you've got to realize, you've got to come to an understanding that, man, I'm pouring my life into this, or I'm pouring my life into this relationship, or I'm pouring my life into this habit or this addiction, or I'm pouring my life into this exercise, or I'm pouring my life into this leisure activity. Whatever it is in your life, you're pouring your life into it. Sooner or later, if you're truly seeking to satisfy the emptiness in your heart, you've got to come to the conclusion, this isn't going to do it. My marriage isn't going to bring me to a place of true intimacy. My job isn't going to bring me there. Only you can do it, God. You come to a place where you realize that the hole in your life is a God-sized hole that you're trying to fill with all this other stuff. And the seeker understands that. The seeker begins to realize what I thought was going to bring satisfaction won't. There's got to be something more. Have you ever, ever had those kind of thoughts? There's got to be something more. Have you ever, like, if you're in your marriage and you're struggling and you, and, and you remember, you're thinking, wow, you know, I remember when we first got married and, and, and you're, and you're sitting there saying, and, and one day you're just kind of sitting there, maybe you're staring at your coffee or staring at the TV and it's a commercial or whatever, and you're just kind of like, man, I thought it would be so much more. Or, or when the kids get old enough and they leave home and you're empty nesting, and you're like, thought it would be so much more. See, the seeker understands that none of that, none of that's going to bring what? Satisfaction. The satisfaction. So then here's what Jesus says. Jesus presents himself as the means of a truly satisfying life. Look at what he says. Look at verse 10. The thief comes except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it, what? More abundantly. See all that other stuff? Let's talk about McDonald's. Have you noticed the sign of McDonald's, eat at your own peril? Have you seen it there? It's not there, is it? Do you know what I mean? Too many burgers is bad for you. You don't see that on the outside. They don't put that on the sign there, do they? No, because they're in it for themselves, and who cares what happens to you as long as you pay? Right? Jesus comes along and says, look, I come and I offer you life. I come so that you can have life. I've come so that you can have fulfillment, and that you can have it more what? Abundantly. You know what I think? I'm going to describe the void this way. This is the conclusion I've come to in my wrestlings with God here of late. The, the void that we have is, can I be honest with you, for intimacy. We were created to be intimate beings. And the void that we're trying to fulfill in our life is, is for intimacy. And, and, and we try to seek that in so many other ways, but there's only one that we can be truly intimate with. God. And he's come to bring a fully satisfying life for you, but so, so for so many of us, we're just simply okay with just being forgiven, 
and, and we're okay with making sure we got the heaven thing taken care of, and we don't want to go any further to truly understand what it means to have life. In fact, maybe you've never even, that never even entered into your mind that the key to full, truly being satisfied in your life, to have that emptiness filled, comes from Jesus. And so maybe this is new to you. The whole concept that there is true intimacy, true satisfaction for my soul with God. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and and maybe we need to move beyond that because, look, let's be honest. I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about, yeah, man, I I know, man, burger's great, but whew, doesn't keep me from wanting another one. Or or this is great, or that is great, or do you know what I'm saying? I you know I can remember for years after I quit smoking, I smoked as a teenager before I became a believer for years. That craving after a meal of wanting to be that momentary. You know what I'm talking about if you're a smoker? of satisfaction. But it's only for what? The moment. The few seconds. Do you know what I'm saying? There's no true satisfaction. Jesus brings us the satisfaction. So look at what he does. He, he knows that he is the one that can bring us the satisfaction to our lives. He knows that. So look at what he did for you. The personal investment. Verses 11. Look what he says. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You ever been around sheep? They're not the smartest of creatures. They're pretty dumb. I mean, anybody that would just sit there and let themselves be devoured by a wolf, that's pretty stupid. Do you know what I mean? Now, who's he talking about here? He's talking about us. Listen, because we're crazy. We keep going back to the same stuff over and over again, thinking that the next time it's going to bring satisfaction, and it doesn't. But hello, we keep doing it, don't we? We're the sheep. And here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for who? You and I. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus is willing to give his all for us. And he did. When we celebrate Easter, here's what we realize. That Jesus was willing to die for us, to give his all for us. And what, folks? He did! He gave it all for us! That's investment. Do you know what I mean? He loved us that much! That he gave his all for us. He did. Here's the other thing. He points out, look at verse 12 and 13. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Here's the point. There's a limit to what others will do for you. Think about it. Think about what we're trying to, to, to fulfill, find fulfillment in our lives. Think about it. How we try to find fulfillment. Folks, there's a limit to what people can do for you. There's a limit to what work will do for you, right? 
There's a limit. There's a limit to, to what food will do for you. There's a limit to what alcohol and drugs will do for you. There's a limit even to sex. There's a limit to all of that. There's a limit. There's a limit to what marriage can do for you. There's a limit for what your kids can do for you. There's a limit. Because here's the thing. They don't truly understand the hole in your life. You ever felt that way? I mean, you could be in the most loving relationship there is. You can have the greatest marriage. You can have the greatest kids. You can have the greatest job and still sit there dumbfounded at what's missing. What's missing in my life? Because they can't fulfill it. There's a limit to what they can do. Do you understand? And, and then you wonder why we're angry. You know what I mean? Ever sat there sometimes, been angry, and you wonder, why am I mad? In fact, people ask you that. What's your deal? I don't know. Everything's going great, but I'm ticked off. I can tell you why. Because of that hole. And nothing satisfies it. But Jesus doesn't. He told us it wouldn't satisfy us. He told us. And here's what he said. Jesus willingly died and rose again for you. Look at what it says, verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This is the command that I've received from my Father. Look, he willingly went to the cross because the Father, God the Father said to him, I want you to die for them, and I want you to take up your life again. And he willingly did that for you to bring fulfillment to your life. To your life. It's okay, George. This is an interesting Easter message. This is not what I expected. Good. Because I'm going to give you some thoughts right now for you to wrestle with. Because here's the thing. I want Easter to go beyond just simply a service for you. I don't want it to be the thing that you mentally check off in your mind. Okay, I went to Easter with my family. Check. Ate lots of food. Check. Hit the sale at Walmart later on. Check. Easter's over. I, I want to give you something different here for you to, to, to think beyond. Because Easter, my friends, is not just one day. Easter is every day. It's the hope of fulfillment. It's the hope of truly satisfying your soul. It's the hope of having life, as Jesus said, and having it abundantly. Don't we want that? Don't we want fulfillment for our souls? So here's some thoughts for you. A couple questions. How would you describe your life? How would you describe your life? You happy with it? Are you satisfied? When you look in the mirror, 
Do you like what you see? So be honest with yourself. How would you describe your life? And if you have to sit there and say to yourself, well, you know, yeah, George, it ain't good. That's a good admission right there. You're on the right path. You've got to admit where you're at. If you're saying to yourself, well, I'm not happy. Great. Admit it to yourself. Quit living in a fantasy world where you think everything, in fact, that's how you portray yourself. You're, you're good at posing. Ooh. I'm doing good. On the inside, you're not. But, hey, I'm doing okay. How would you describe your life? And number two, what are you trying to fill the void with? What are you trying to fill the void with? What are you trying to fill the void with? Are you, are you putting pressure on your marriage for your marriage to fulfill the void? So you're putting pressure on your spouse to be the void filler in your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, she or he is not going to be able to do it. Are you putting pressure on your kids to fulfill the void in your life? They're not going to be able to do it. Are you, are you, are you putting pressure on yourself in hopes that work will be able to, or your bank account will be able to, or, or, or sex will be able to, or, or alcohol, or anything else, or food will be able to? It's not going to do it. What is it that you're trying to do? And I'm going to be honest with you, with this many folks here, every one of you has got a different thing that you're trying to fill your life the void in your life with. It's different for each and every one of us. Even the ones who are filling it with the same thing, their reasons are different. But let's be honest, it's all futile. It's futile. Because no minute, no, the minute we try, the next minute we're still not satisfied. Because it won't bring it. It won't bring it. So here's what you need to do. Here's the action point. Here's what I want you to do, because Easter, go beyond Easter. I want you to, to think about this. I want you to pray about this. I want you to do this. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to find true fulfillment in Christ. To find it. It's interesting. The Gospels put it this way. The kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price that that someone will find, and he goes then and sells all that he has so that he may go and buy the pearl. The kingdom of God is like a treasure that somebody finds in a field, and so the guy goes and sells all that he has so that he can buy the field to get the treasure. You want satisfaction for your souls? You want the emptiness to be filled in your life? Jesus offers it to you. He gave his life for you. What are you willing to do to get it from him? How hard are you willing to pursue him for that satisfaction? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to find true fulfillment in him. That means going beyond just simply saying, oh, I'm forgiven. That means going beyond and saying, oh, i got the heaven thing taken care of. It means coming to a place of realizing, Jesus, you're the only satisfaction of, for my soul. In fact, there was an old hymn, Jesus, lover of my soul. He's the only one that could do it. So this is what my prayer is for you this Easter, that you would actually go beyond trying to satisfy yourself with the meaningless stuff and find meaningful fulfillment in Jesus. That's my prayer for you. Thank you for being with us this morning. 
And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.